Let's start with something exciting. Who knows what this would be right here? Fry pan, right? Right? Can we all agree it's a fry, fry pan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you watch the cartoon Tangled, it's also a weapon. You can smack people with it. Look like it hurt. Oh yeah, this is getting better right here. How about this bad boy right here? Everybody ever used one of these before? You could also hit somebody with this and it, would not, it wouldn't feel too good. Ooh, getting good, huh? What's this? Flathead screwdriver, right? Also could be used as a weapon. Not that I'm giving any ideas, okay? We all can figure out our own weapons, okay? These are, these are tools, tools, right? Anybody know what these are right here? Little pliers or something that works good at pinching somebody really good. You pinch, pinch somebody with those suckers. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. Little wire cutters. Oh, those things are so perfect. It's got the holes perfectly so you don't cut that wire where you're not supposed to, right? The plastic shielding around it. This one's fun too. Oh, yeah. Takes a little exercise, right? A little. Now, if I was working in construction, hmm. Would this be something that could be used in construction? Eh, probably not, right? Probably not, probably not. You could probably use this in construction work technically, right? If I wanted to work on my car, would I use this? Only if I'm angry and I wanna smash the windows. Probably not gonna work too well working on a car. Now, could I use something like this? There's some places on a car that you could use this on, right? All right, where the heck am I going with this? Well, if you've got your Bible, let's go to 1 Timothy 6.12. And it says, thanks. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well for so many witnesses. Ephesians 6.12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So why did I bring my frying pan? The wrench, I forgot to show you this one right here. See, in life, these are all things that we recognize, correct? All these tools are things that we recognize. What we fail to recognize sometimes is what, what's happening in the spirit. And so when there's a problem with a car, you start hearing a little most of us, if it sounds like it's on the outside and starts feeling kind of funny, we know maybe we've got a flat, right? Winter time comes, you turn on the heat, nothing's coming out. We could recognize there's a problem with our heater. Where we fail to recognize is when something's wrong in the spirit. 
And many of us, we're taking our fry pan, we're trying to fight in the spirit. Many of us continue to circle and fight the wrong battles with the wrong tools. Yes, we could do some damage with this, but it's not gonna help you spiritually in the fight that God has for you this day and this year. So we started our theme for the year, fighting the good fight, fighting the good fight, fighting the good fight. And we started with, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Psalms 33, starting in verse 6. It was actually our opening verse. Ooh, so I'm reading it the second time in the same day. Whew. Breaking all the rules today. Psalms 33, verse 6 says, The Lord merely spoke. And the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries. He locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began, and it appeared at his command. And so in the beginning of this series, we know that God, we're talking about God as creator. And if God's the creator, that means that we're created. And if he is the creator and I am created, what does it give? What does it do? What does it do? What should it cause me to do? What should it cause me? What should happen inside of me? If God's the creator, if I'm the created, what should happen? What should change in my mind? What should change in my heart and my soul? If there is a creator and I am created, there's something that it should cause me to do. Last week we talked about God. Give me the ability to see. We see each other, and we all look wonderful this morning, right? We see each other. We all look wonderful this morning. And so last week we talked about God. Give me the ability to see, and see means that when I know I'm gonna cook, this would work for some scrambled eggs, right? Could work for an omelet. Most restaurants buy eight-inch fry pans for me for for cooking omelets. And if I'm going to cook an omelet, yeah, it works perfect. But if I'm going to work on a car, not so good. And so God, give us the ability to see the fight that is in front of it for me, the fight that's in front of it for my family, the fight that's in front of it for my kids, my grandkids, for my friends, for my community. Help me to see the right tools that I need for this moment. And so with that, all of that was my intro to get to our main text this morning, Genesis chapter 12. Starting in verse 1. So exciting. And it says this. The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I'm going to make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who treat you with content. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed, as the Lord had instructed. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years young when he left for Haran. He took his wife Sarah, thankfully, his nephew Lot, all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his house and Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. And at that time, there was an inhabited by the Canaanites. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, I'm going to give 
this land to you, your descendants. And Abram built an altar there. He dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and he set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar. He built another altar, built another altar, dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. And then Abram continued traveling south by stage, stages toward the Negev. So this morning as we start to paint this picture of our main text, first thing he says to Abram is leave. I want you to leave. Turn to Abram and says, leave. Don't leave here right now. Don't get up and leave. But he says to Abram, I want you to leave. Family, town, people. And why would he say that? It's interesting. God said, I want you to leave your family, your homeland, and these people, your relatives. Why? There was actually three different things that were described and three different things that were happening at this time. People, they would have, there was like a national God, not the one true God, but there was like a national, like Hemet, having, this is our main God. Most households had their own gods. Their families that were passed down from the past, the generations of idol worship. And so God was saying, I want you to leave your home, your family, your relatives. He was describing it's time to leave a life of idol worship. Everybody was worshiping idols at this time. And he said, I want you to leave this place of settling. And why was it a place of settling? Because see, his dad before him was called by God. And his dad, how many of us know sometimes when tragedy hits, it's hard to do anything. So Abram's dad had another son, Abram's brother, who died. And when he died, he had one son, which was Lot. It was hard for the dad to continue where God wanted him to go because of the tragedy that hit his house. His son died. And it was hard to move forward. And so Abram's dad stopped and he settled instead of going forward to where God had wanted him to go. And so God was saying, leave, leave the idol worship. But there was something else happening where they lived. They were self-centered people. I don't know if you know any self-centered people. There's a couple in our world today, right? Out of the seven billion, there's a couple self-centered people. Thirdly, there was a lot of godless people. They worshiped idols self-centered and they were godless godless people describing the home when god was saying i want you to leave your home he was talking about this is the very essentials and the home being related to the land how many of us know land is very important if you own land in california today it's a wonderful feeling right if you got a little bit of land it's a wonderful feeling and so as god was describing in depth moving on from the idol worship and leaving from the self-centered selfish people leaving from the godless people leave your home leave your land land at this time was essential People relied on land for life, for survival, for livelihood, even political identity. Depending on what side of the street, if you were on the right side or the left side, right, just kidding, there was no streets, right? But the land at this time, it was survival, livelihood, and a political identity. So God speaking to Abram, leave your land, your survival. I want you to leave your livelihood, and I want you to leave your political identity. Leave your relatives. And when he said relatives, it was saying, I want you to leave the link between the past, the present, and the future. I want you to leave the, the family. Because how many of us know family? You know, if you've ever gone together with family, and we do it holidays, right? 
And sometimes in holidays, you know, you have multiple generations. So how many of us, you get together generations, it's like, ah, oh, look at all these 13 generations we have here together, right? God, in the stories, he's just telling Abram, he says, I want you to leave your family. And one of the reasons why he was saying that, I want you to leave the link. You're leaving the link of your familyhood from the past and the present and the future. Thirdly, when he said family, he was saying, Abram, I want you to give up your security because as a male, he would have an inheritance. He would have an inheritance. He would get money, cash. Just kidding. No, he would get land and he would get animals. He would get some employees. And so for God saying to Abram, I want you to leave your security. Not the security guard. Leave your security, your family inheritance. Many of us, you know, that's one, one thing that maybe we hope for, or maybe our kids are hoping for, I can't wait till they kick the bucket because then I'm going to get something good, right? None of us are like that. But there are people in this world who are like that. And so God comes to Abram and he says so many things. When he says, I want you to leave, to rewind, the idol worship, being a self-centered person and being around self-centered people, I want you to leave the godless people I want you to leave your family, the link of the, the past, the present, the future, the thought of your own land, which is security, your inheritance, all of these things. It says, if you leave, I'm going to give you a blessing. Ah. Now, this blessing to me, this man, this sounds amazing. He goes, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and everybody who's in your life will be a blessing. Anybody who curses you, I'm going to curse them. That doesn't sound half bad, right? If God comes to us this morning and says the same thing, most of us are saying, I receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We receive it. Thank you, Jesus. This blessing doesn't seem half bad. And so Abram, it says that 70 Five years old. 75. Do we have any 75ers in here today? Not yet. Angelica? <laughs> wow, Josh. At 75, can you imagine getting your first job at 75? Can you imagine goofing off your most of your life? Most of us could. We're like, yeah, there's a lot of things I can do instead of working. But at 75, this is, this is where his life began. At 75 for Abram, this is where it really took off at 75 years old. Can you imagine living a good life, a decent life up to 75, but from 75 on, Ooh, it really got good. It really got good. It wasn't just good anymore. It was amazing. Why? Because at 75, that's when he finally decided to say yes. At 75. See, I think we're reading this story, and though it says once, and though we heard it, I actually think God spoke to him multiple times. But at 75 is when he decided to say yes. Just like in here this morning, there's many times that God is saying multiple things, but most of the time we're choosing to ignore it. 
We're just trying to move on. We're trying to move around it. We don't want to hear. It took him up to 75 to finally say yes. Now, there's a couple things God said to him. Remember the whole leave part? And so he gets together a few things. He gets his wife, his nephew Lot, and his employees, and his animals. He had to bring the Wagyu beef. You're not going to leave the Wagyu beef there, right? You've got to take the Wagyu beef with you. So he brings the cattle. But remember what God said to him? Leave your family. Leave your relatives. So he says yes to God, but he made one little boo-boo. What was his boo-boo? His nephew Lot. God said, leave your family. Your he didn't say, leave everybody but one. You can pick one out of your family, who's ever the best, who's ever your favorite in your family, who's ever, you know, the cutest, nicest, sweetest. You can bring your favorite. No, 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 no. What did God say to him? Leave all your family. Leave the relatives. And he didn't say leave your spouse, right? Because a lot of people start thinking and they read the Bible and it's like, see, God said I can leave my spouse. <laughs> people are wacky sometimes. See, for Lot, think about this. Abram's dad, of course he felt horrible, Tara, when he lost his son, Haran, when he lost his son there. And so he took Abram's dad took in his grandson, Lot, and he took care of him because the boy's dad died. When Abram was leaving, I'm sure Abram had the same feelings. Why would I leave this poor kid? I don't know how old Lot was at this point, but he's probably thinking, this kid, young, sweet, wonderful young man, he's got through so much tragedy losing his dad, so I should take care of him. So I should take care of them. Sometimes what we see in other people and their tragedy, we take upon ourselves. And in this story, God was trying to save him some headaches. Anybody ever have a headache before? You ever have one of those dull headaches that's just like around your head all the time? You're like, uh, when's this going to end, right? Or splitting powerful headache that's like pounding your head, <laughs> shaking. Abraham and Lot, down the road, you know what? They ran into some headaches. And you know why they ran into headaches? Because goofball Abram didn't listen to God when he said, leave your family and your relatives. Because he brought his nephew Lot with him, there were some arguments down the road. There was a point one time where Lot got kidnapped, and you know what? You know what uncle had to do? He had to come to the rescue. He had to go kill people to, to get his kidnapped nephew back. If Abram would have just listened to God in the first place, what would he have done? Saved himself from some headaches. This morning, many of us, we carry sometimes other people's tragedies and even our own. We're not meant to carry other people's tragedies. There's only one person who can do that, and that's God. We get so stuck sometimes because we feel like we got to be the best person in the whole wide world and the best friend and this and this and this and this. No, 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 no. You're not being a good friend by carrying something bad that happened to somebody else. Your only job and the best friend that you can be is to make sure they get themselves into the hands of the Father 
And that's the only place they're going to find healing. Yes, we could bring some olive oil. Yes, we could bring some love and some healing to our friends and our relatives when tragedy hits. But we, in ourselves, we don't have that healing power. Only God does. So when tragedy hits, from like in this story, let's not carry that with us. Let's do what God told them to do in the first place. Let him carry the load. And we just have to be faithful to do what he tells us to do. Abram travels. It says that he immediately, and that's one of the things, you know, at 75, I don't know why, but he became a man who was ready to do whatever was asked of him. Now, he made some mistakes along the way. There's no doubt Abram's a little goofball, just like the rest of us this morning. But at 75, he decided when God asked him to do something, I'm going to do it. So God said, leave. What did he do? He got his stuff together and he left. He gets to Canaan. As soon as he gets there, God says, look at this place. Ah. Just like walking up into that first home, first, first car, first trailer, first apartment, whatever it may be. You're like, ah, this is home, baby. This is nice. This is awesome. This is amazing. God says to Abram in this moment as he gets there, he says, look at this land. And it was beautiful. This land was said to be flowing with milk and honey and all these good things. And so it was a beautiful, beautiful place and a beautiful, beautiful time. Yes, there was weirdos living there, but that's, that's another story, another day. It was beautiful. And so Abram gets there and God says to him, Abram, I'm giving you this land. It's for you. It's for your son who's not born yet. It's going to be for your descendants, your grandkids, all of those things. If. Oh, turn to your name and say it's all about the if. So we pause for a coffee break. If you listen and obey. Look at what I'm going to give you if you listen and obey. Now, some of us are thinking, that's a little odd. Why would God, you know, kind of dangle a carrot out there? Look at what you get if you, if you listen and obey. Okay, but let's, let's be honest. Some of us parents, we've done the exact same thing. Look at this car you're going to get if you listen and do everything I tell you. If you clean your room every single day, you might get an allowance at the end of the week. I might change my mind. But if you do your job, I'll give it to you. So we can't say to ourselves as we read this, when God says, I'm going to give you this land, if you listen and obey and say, man, that seems kind of mean. Why couldn't God just give it to him? You as a parent, we as a parent, we do the exact same thing. We dangle things in front of our kids. If you obey me, right? So Abram, when God speaks to him the second time, says he builds an altar. He builds an altar. After God spoke to him, he moved on and he built another altar. What was the altar? What, what would they do with these altars at this day? Well, I'm glad you asked. Building an altar and worshiping God it represented many things. And number one, building an altar to God, for them, it represented a place of communion with God. To them, as they're building the, the altar, which they would use to worship, it was, a, it was a time for them to have communion, not taking bread and wine, but it was a time of being a special moment with God. An altar, it would be a place to make a note, like a mental note. We have, you know, note, the app note on here, or we have the old thing with pen, paper, and pencils to 
build an altar, it's like making a note to yourself, this is what God said to me in this moment, so I'm writing it down. I'm remembering the place where I encountered God. When they built the altar, they wanted it to last for years because they knew maybe a year from now, maybe five years from now, I'm going to pass by it again. And you know what's going to do? It's going to remind me of when God spoke to me. This altar that I'm building for worship, it's going to remember. It's going to last. It's going to be here in 10 years. And when I pass by, it's going to remind me for prayer, for worship, for reminders, for God's loyalty, love. It's a place, the altar, when you built an altar in this day, it's a place of renewal. It's a place to say, God, I love you, and God, I'm loyal to you. It's a, it's a moment of when you build an altar, altar to get a recentered, refocused life. They're saying, God, I'm going to live a God-centered life. God, motivate me. Because how many of us know, see, human nature hasn't changed in the last 5,000 years. We go through ups and downs in this Christian journey. And there's times when we're on high mountain peaks and everything's high, lovely, and wonderful, and we're praying and we're reading our Bible. And then there's times where maybe tragedy, hard times, hard situation hits, and then we're down here. And it's this low point right here, and we're having a hard time reading, and we're having a hard time praying, and we're having a hard time doing anything. Building an altar in this day, it's kind of like for us this morning, we need those moments of building an altar to remind us, to stir us, to get us motivated, to get back on track. Because how many of us know we as humans, we get off track real easy? Yes, we do. We get bored. Our minds are crazy. They're running three million miles a second. And so building an altar for Abram, it did many things. And so you ask yourself this morning, as I ask myself, why Abram? And I'm glad you're asking why Abram. This is why. Galatians 3, starting in verse 6, says this. In the same way, because it went from Abram to Abraham, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight, talking about us, non-Jews, because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. All who put their faith in Christ share, verse 9, we can circle that, we can highlight it, all who put their faith in Christ Jesus share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. Through Christ Jesus, verse 14, God has blessed the Gentiles, non-Jews, with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers could receive the promise, Holy Spirit, through faith. And so it's crazy. As we open up this and we just read this verse, Galatians, we started with the story in the Old Testament. The verse that we just read is in the New Testament. And what does that mean for us now in this moment? The same exact promise, Apostle Paul read in the New Testament, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you can share in the same promise that God gave to Abraham at the time. What was that promise? I'm going to make you a great person. If you can leave and if you can follow me, if you can leave and if you can follow me, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something great, but it won't be just for you. It's going to be for your spouse and your kids and your grandkids and all the people who come after you. Your name will become famous. 
You might think, well, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be a nice person. I don't need to be known. I don't need to be blessed. I'm just happy with, you know, the life that I got. Many people, it's kind of like a guy I met in missionary school. Other than meeting my beautiful wife, came in Hawaii when we suffered for Jesus. There was a guy I met there named Andy from Indonesia. And one day we're having a conversation about life. What is life? So I, I go off on, you know, it's this and this and this, la da da, painting the picture, all that good stuff. And I said, Well, Andy, what's life to you? He goes, Well, I was born, I live, and I die. That's it. There's nothing in between. Well, you know, I could get married, may have a kid or two. Ah, that's it. See, many people sometimes view life with less because for something in their brain, it triggers. I'm made to settle, and I don't deserve more. Some of us in the 7 billion people on this planet think, and I'm not talking about financial prosperity. I'm not talking that next week we're going to roll in here with Bentleys and Mercedes and, and, you know, use a private jet to fly in over, you know, the 10 minutes it takes in a car. It's not what I'm talking about this morning. God's blessing goes far beyond money. God's hand of blessing, blessed to be a blessing. God's hand moving goes way beyond finances. And so as God spoke to Apostle Paul and said, listen, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you get to share in this same blessing. The blessing that was given to Abram in the Old Testament can, can be made in the New Testament, but can be made to you this morning. And the question becomes, well, am I truly walking? If I've given my life to Jesus, am I walking in that blessing? Am I walking in what God has made and what God wants to give to me? How? Why? When? If it hasn't started, where is it? Where is this blessing? Where is this blessing? Where is this promise? You can write down again, it's in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to make you in a great nation. So really, honestly, it comes down to this. This is going to get to our title this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can write down Matthew 13, 9. And it says, in Matthew 13, 9, says, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Revelation 2, 29, interestingly enough, it says, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying. So there was a common theme that was spoken. There was things that were spoken in the Old Testament. There was things that Jesus spoke while he was here. When Jesus died, rose again, third day, went to heaven, right? There were some things that the apostles said. There was a very common theme. And that was, one more time in case you missed it, if you have ears, you should listen and you should understand. So our topic today, remember last week was the ability to see. Our topic today is, God, give me the ability to listen. To listen. Listen, Linda. To listen. To listen. See, there's a lot of things that we miss because we're not listening. There's a lot of things that we're missing because we're not listening. So if God gives us the ability to see, and we talked about the creation, you know what that does? The more you study God's creation, 
the more and more you look at the stars and the sun and the moon and you don't bow down and say oh sun i worship you you're so hot and powerful and wonderful you don't go to the moon and say oh moon i love you i'm going to worship you which was a very popular god back in abram's day they loved to worship the moon oh moon you give me light at night you are so wonderful you're my night night my night light right you are so awesome and amazing moon the more you look at the moon and sun and stars, the more you look at the sand, the more you look at the trees, the more you look at human nature, it, the God giving you the ability to see his creation, it should move you. And the more it moves you, it should then give you the ability, as you got the ability to see, it should give you the ability to listen. And the more you start to listen, the more you have seen, the more you continue to see, then you start to listen. And as you start to listen, there's something else that starts happening, changing and moving inside of you. You notice that you start to believe different. I see God now. I hear God now. And now my faith is starting to rise. I see him. God's given me the ability to see him in his creation. As I'm studying the creation, God's giving me the ability to hear his voice. I'm hearing his voice as I open up the Bible during the week, as I open up the Bible app on my phone, as I open up the Bible and read, I'm starting to hear more and more and more. I can hear God. The more I hear God, the more I see God, the more I start to believe in God. And the more I start to believe in God, the more I start to follow. It's hard to follow something you don't believe in. It's hard to follow something you don't believe in. And you're not going to believe unless you've learned to listen. You're not going to learn to listen if you don't have the ability to see how awesome and amazing it is. So God, give us that ability to see. God, today, give us me, give me the ability to listen, active listening. God, help in my ears, not only to hear what's around me, but to hear things in the Spirit, to hear things, what your Holy Spirit is saying. Because in the end, if you don't hear God, if you don't hear his Holy Spirit, then for you, yourself, your family, your kids, they will never make it to the place of promise. Just as God gave a land, a place to Abram and his family, God has a spiritual place for every one of us. It's called the place of promise. And if you don't see, if you don't hear, if you never believe enough, then you're never going to follow. And if you don't follow, you won't find my place, your place of what? Promise. So with that, this is go to our fun part over here. Whoop. This is what, a bike? Now, how many of us can remember? I can remember as a kid being in Ohio and trying to ride a bike, you know, training wheels. Unless you were brave, you said, take off the training wheels, right? Get on that bike, I'm ready. How many of us remember our first fall? Scrape up the knee, scrape up the elbows. I can remember one day riding a bike and a bee flew up my pant leg and bit me. Man, tragedy. 
I should have just ended it right there. I should have gave up. Trying to ride a bike, got bit by a bee. Just should have called quits. How many of us ever, ever, ever had a bad experience on a bike? Can we remember? And maybe this morning, some of us in here were so athletic. We're just so talented that when we got on our first bike, man, we cruised right away. We had no issues. We kicked off the training wheels. We were good to go. There might be some talented people in here, but most of us got on a bike and had an accident at some point. Now, why do I bring that up? I'm not going to ride it. I do want to ride off the stairs, but I'm not going to yet. As we take the bike this morning, we need to see it for a spiritual sense. Today, we have a generation of adults and young people when spiritually they were starting to catch it, when spiritually things were starting to move in their head, their heart, mind, and soul, oh, they hit their first roadblock. They fell off, scraped their knee. And then you know what happened in that moment? They either had a parent, they either had a relative, or they had a friend say, it's just not for you. There's many people who've had a connection with God, but then they got burned out, made a wrong choice, made a wrong decision, scraped up their knee, scraped up their elbow. I'm trying something new and different. God wants me to branch out. God wants me to do, so I'm going to try. And you know what? They failed. Parent, relative, friend, teacher, it's just not for you. We have a generation of old people today. We have a generation of young people today who have given up. My knee is scraped. My elbow's bloodied. Remember in the old days, what was I saying? The going gets tough. <sighs> tough get going. That's not, that's not valuable today. When the going gets tough, you know what it is now? We all become wimps. This is the truth. There are young people. There are old people. They've given up. But how many of us know when you learned how to ride the bike, oh, baby, watch out. Feeling that wind, mosquitoes flying in your mouth, didn't care. I'm riding. I'm riding. Wow. This feels so good. This feels so right. Riding my bike. Many people come to God and they have a bike moment. This feels so good. This feels so right. And then they fall off. And I wonder this morning how many people, how many people this morning have ever felt like giving up on God? And I wonder this morning how many people have ever felt like giving up on church? And I wonder this morning how many people have ever felt like giving up on brothers and sisters. You know why? We've all taken turns falling off our bike. And it hurts. Going to a restaurant, getting food poisoning, that hurts too. Coming out both sides, it's not fun. Sorry to give you that image and picture this morning. There's many things that we continue to do after getting sick and hurt. 
But why is it when it comes to the things of God, we give up way too easy? When God says, I want you to do this, something new, something different, something beyond the comfort zone. We try it. We feel like we fail. We fall off the bike. It's just not for me. And then our friends, they tell us, you just weren't good at it. Just wasn't for you. The bike was the wrong size. Your shoes didn't fit. The sad thing for me, the sad thing for us this morning to see is, as we talked about last week, God, give me the ability to see you. And we can every time we see his creation. And the more we see the creation, it's going to lead us. It's going to push us to start listening. And as we begin to listen, we start to hear his voice. As we start to hear his voice, we can hear the calling. Jesus said many are called, but there's only a couple who are chosen. chosen. You know why? God calls us all, but not everybody answers. The number says unavailable. We don't know who it is. You know what we do? Probably a bill collector, stranger, so I'm just going to ignore it. Everyone's called, but not everybody's chosen because not everybody answers his call. As you begin to see, as you start to hear, and you hear his voice, faith starts to increase. God says, I am calling you here to do this. Your faith has increased, and then at that moment, you know what happens? You're ready to follow. You're ready to follow. But we'll never get to that point if you're afraid of the bike. You never get to that point of following if after you hurt your knee and your elbow, you say, ah, being a Christian is just too painful. Following Jesus is just too tough. It's just too hard. Now get to that point. What was the blessing God said to Abram? I'm going to bless you. And it wasn't, and it wasn't, see, this is where we can kind of get confused. He didn't want to bless Abram so that Abraham can walk around all special and high and mighty. He wanted to bless Abram so what? He could be a blessing to everybody else. See, what God gives you, it's not for you. It's for everybody else. What God has made, it's not for you. Yes, he wants you to enjoy, but sometimes the things that we hold on to too tight, we end up losing. Why? Because what he's given, the blessing, this original blessing, I'm blessing you to be a blessing. And then when you start to be a blessing, you know what happens? You learn, man, if I just don't hold on to things, those clothes that I've had for 12 years in my closet, if I, if I can get rid of those and I get through all the junk over here and this and this and this, and I just start giving things to people and I start giving this, this, and this, and this, man, the people that God's put in your life to bless, not to curse. The people that God puts in your life to bless every single person. You hate me, I love you. You wanna hurt me, I'm gonna give you a hug. God has put us here, bless to be 
a blessing. But this morning, many of us have given up because the bike ride was just too tough. And so this morning, as we close with our last verse, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, 19. Actually, starting in verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter. He had split personalities. Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. Verse 20. They left their nets, and at once they followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John. <sighs> John. Sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, getting some work done, he called to them, come, too. Immediately, says they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And if you study the language in which Jesus was speaking to these men, he said, come follow me. And what he was saying to them, which sounds crazy, I want you to leave everything in your life. Everything. And when you leave it, you're going to say that you accept all that I want to say. 100% true, accurate. Doesn't mean they didn't have questions at time. Didn't mean they didn't have doubts at time. That's the same language that God said to Abram thousand years, a few thousand years before. Leave and follow. What did he say to the disciples when he was here? Leave and follow. I wonder in 2024, has the message changed? Guess what? It hasn't. What is he still saying today? Jesus is saying, leave and follow. Now, many of us in here, we've learned we can work extremely hard and we can create a good life. There are things. We can put food on the table. There could be some prime rib. There could be some good tacos. There could be some warm soup on a day like today because we all need something warm in our bellies. There could be some good salads with maybe a little salmon on top. Many people in our, in our world, we've learned we can work extremely hard and we can produce a good life. But when it comes to the things of God, how many of us have not learned to leave and follow. The disciples, they left their business. They left their nets. What kind of results did they see? Because we know today it's all about results. Results, results, results. How'd it go for these men? Hmm, they changed the world. The world that you know, the world that you live in, the world that you're a part of, the 11 disciples changed the world. What is God asking of us today and in 2024? Leave, follow, change the world. To be a blessing, not so that you can accumulate more stuff. It's just junk anyway. Be a blessing. You know, when, when we die one day and at the funeral, there's got a lot of people who die who are selfish, self-centered people. And there's many people in our life, selfish, self-centered. And when they die and when they pass on, there's a lot of people who are going to be there just because they feel like they have to at that funeral. 
but they're gonna have nothing to say because my good friend, because my family, they were just selfish and stinky and rotten. Or we can flip the coin and say, if I choose to live a selfless life, choosing to see, choosing to listen, choosing to ride the bike for God, when you go, the world will not be able to stop talking about how amazing you are because you didn't do it for yourself. You did it for them. And this morning, we have a choice. We have a choice. What kind of life and legacy do I live? I end with this. The promise God said to Abram, this land, this place. He said it wasn't for, he didn't say, it's just for you, buddy. What did he say? It's for your descendants. Your life. It's but a breath. But your descendants that come out from your life are forever. What's the legacy you're passing on to the people in your life? And if you've gotten off God's bike, if you've been hurt, tragedies hit, circumstances happen, got a scraped up knee, someone cussed me out after church and I beat him up. Don't worry, I took off my Christian shirt first, but then I beat him up. It happens to all of us. It does. So we should just look at each other and say, hey, really wasn't for me. Start encouraging people. Get back on that bike and ride for Jesus until you die. Only then will you see the blessing of Abram, the blessing that Apostle Paul said in Galatians. Why? Because we chose to listen. Let's pray.